This is Fundraising Radio, and today's a guest speaker who have Landon Ainge, Managing Director at Assure Syndicates. And today we'll discuss this, the syndicates, how it works, and how London works, because he has an uncommon approach to investing and to syndicating deals. So uh, be ready to hear something new. So London, I'll ask you off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Assure Syndicates. Well, myself, uh, that's, you know, that's a pretty hard question. Openly, I've, I've been through a lot of different roles in my background, but I keep going back and forth between investing and operating. Um, did M&A, work, went and worked for a large corporation, then moved to venture capital, and then went and founded a company. And now I'm back on the early stage investment side. Um, and Assure is... Uh, I would view them as the SPV specialists. So special SPV is kind of like the special purpose vehicle. Um, and what it is, is it's a, uh, you know, it, it's a legal entity that we all, that multiple investors put money into and they help make that easier for investors and for companies. Well, let's discuss what you do now. So you said that you had uh, both the operation role and the investing role. So what exactly do you do now? So now what I do is I try to bridge the gap between those two things because I've learned as a founder, you know, you definitely have a one perspective and as an investor, you have another. And in reality, you have similar goals, um, but oftentimes you speak different languages. Um, like a like a developer and a product manager, uh, oftentimes it, it takes someone that has been on both sides to be able to communicate the the message between the two. So I help to facilitate that, and I do so without charging the founder or the VC um, because I like I want to see more deals done, and I'm really excited about kind of what we've created at Assure Syndicates. That is really exciting. And that's a very uncommon practice. You know, I was pre-amused when I heard it for the first time. So let's let's go a little bit in depth into this, how it works. So basically, in simple words, you connect investors to interesting deals and you don't really take any fees from that, right? Yeah. So what I do is I work hard to understand what the investor's goals are um, and I have the time dedicated to do so. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of a, a lot of founders are that the thing they have working against them is they have to work on running a business and and focusing on that in full time and so fundraising is a second job for them um so mm-hmm. what i i work hard full time to understand what does each venture capital firm want to focus on and what industries and what stage so that way i can be essentially an extension of their team providing customized deal flow for what their thesis is and then I work with the founders to say, look, are you ready to raise venture capital? And it, let me give you my recommendations of who are the people that you should talk to. And I can then, you know, if you're willing, then I provide your deal to, you know, these five VCs that um, seem like they would be a good fit. And the, the venture capital firm gets to opt in whether they want an introduction. So, you know, I can... I don't try to take fundraising from a founder. I think that's a healthy process and painful process, uh, but I do try to help supplement it so that they can, you know, find the right investor for their business. And if you're an investor, find the right uh, investment opportunity because mm-hmm. you have your customer base, which are your investors, your LPs. 
I mean, yeah, that model really sounds amazing. And the fact that you don't really charge any fees from the founders or from VCs, it's, it's insane. It's great to hear. Uh, but my I question mean, I'm was, not, I'm not, you know, mother Teresa here, right? Like, let's, let's <laughs> right? Like I, I, my goal is to be, to invest in that company as well. Um, and so what mm-hmm. I'm doing is I'm trying to say, I have aligned interest here where I want to have the best possible venture capital firm or the best partner, I should say, um, invest in the company. And I, because I want to put money into that company as well, I'm a small check. I'm a, you know, 150,000 mm-hmm. to 250,000 um, size check into a seed in a series A deal. So therefore it's very clear where I want to go and what I want to do. And so I'm just trying to improve my investment uh, essentially. And I'm waiting to invest until you know i'm waiting to invest at the same time as the venture capital firm so they don't believe that i have misaligned incentives Mm -hmm. Uh, someone else the venture capital firm sets the terms and i try to piggyback on you know the same valuation and and go into that deal so i am aligning myself with both the venture firm and the founder where i can provide help when our founder needs it most, when they don't have money, when they don't have resources, when they don't have time, that's when I can provide the help that they need mm-hmm. and, 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 and help them get more of those things, help them get more time because if they raise capital, they can hire people, help get them resources and hopefully help get them that, that lead investor. Right, right, right. And you said word help like five times in one sentence. So I'm pretty right. sure you're close to Mother Teresa. No, 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 no. no. Like, but before know, we go into that, into that Mother Teresa thing, I was wondering how do you make connections with all those investors? So I assume to to be able to connect so many startups to so many investors, you have to have a lot of investors. Where do you find them? How do you how do you make connections with them? So openly, like I. I just work hard to get into the door to the venture capital firms. And then if I, you know, because my model is so unique, I say, I want to provide value for free. And I'm not just going to try to like send a huge number of deals your way. I'm trying to send a a handpicked group of deals to you to add value that, that, you know, is really, something that's interesting to them because it's it's unheard of right like you said it's it's unheard of in the world and so they are open to have those conversations so if you're a venture capital firm in space like i'm i i do ask hard questions about what your thesis is what your check size is what industries you do and do not like but openly like you know i i am only value add because the only thing that i ask is that you know you enable me to get into the round that I've introduced you to the company. So that, that generally is a pretty friendly ask uh, for someone mm-hmm. on that side. I, I right, do have, right. I do represent some angel investors because my checks come from individual angel investors and family offices that like to get into deals alongside venture capital firms, but, but don't have that ability. And so I create that ability for them um, through unique flair. So you know, we've talked about two parties, founders and venture capital firms, but I also mm-hmm. basically help and represent a group of angels and family offices. And I'm very open to bringing more people to that because that enables me to help more and more founders um, in this process. That's that's really great. So my next question was about how you personally choose the deals you want to invest in. So you said that 
usually you actually do the investment yourself and then you present it to your network of investors who should be interested in that specific deal. How do you decide if uh, you want to invest or not? So what's your major criteria? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I have a little bit of an advantage there because I, I'm almost able to synthesize the information that the VCs give me and they say, this is what I'm interested in. So I can tell, generally speaking, and after talking to a founder in 20 minutes, whether there is interest in their business model, in their industry. And then the question is, is this the right team and the right founder? And so taking those three aspects generally helps me. And then you add in you know, where the company is at in traction, uh, that, that's kind of a good other indicator. And, and to so, you know, I, I truly believe investing is a conviction, but my job is not as hard because the VCs have a very hard job. They, they have to decide and do an answer to everything that could ever go wrong. Whereas for me, I say, is this worth my time that I'm going to spend? Because I think that they are likely going to raise a round and I work and I, do I want to work with this founder to help them try to raise a round? Um, and so I basically commit that capital, but to clarify, I don't actually invest first. I I commit to that capital to the founder, mm -hmm. and then say turn and then try to help them find a lead investor, and then, okay, and then I invest alongside that venture capital firm. The reason I do that is because it, like I've talked about alignment probably five times as well. <laughs> it's all about like you know. I don't. I want to be aligned with the people I work with, and those right. are the people I work with. So I want to be getting the same terms that they're getting on the deal. I want to be aligned as an investor, so that they know that I'm not just trying to, you know, get a better return on my investments by investing early and then quickly thereafter trying to raise a seed round or a Series A round. Because mm -hmm. I was, I had alternative motives. Um, so. Short story, short answer is, I just think that, you know, it's pretty clear to me whether there's interest because I spend my whole time talking to the venture world. Um, <laughs> and so I, I get a good sense of there is at least interest. Um, granted, I have a heart, it's hard for me. Like I have a, as you can tell, I have a very soft spot in my heart for founders. Um, <laughs> And I want, I want to help every founder. Um, and so I'm trying to do that as being as honest as possible and say, you know, you're just not ready to raise yet based upon what I'm hearing from venture capital firms. Or, you know, mm -hmm. it probably makes sense for you to raise an angel round before you try to go out to the market. Um, and so that's, that's, that's hard for me sometimes. Not, not hard to give that feedback, but hard for me to like, basically be saying no but but i say no a lot like but i i do feel like i have an advantageous position to try to help founders in that way and i've i've made plenty of customer recommendations or introductions uh, i've i made plenty of angel investors that are like angel investors that i know that are on my platform that i said hey you should go do a deal with these angels that like this space um because, you know, my angel investors that invest through like Assure Syndicates, they essentially are saying, I want to invest alongside a seed and Series A fund, which is a later risk tolerance. 
um, but also they they oftentimes like to do early deals as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So speaking of the way that you decide if you want to help the startup or not, you said that you know you talk to them on the phone for twenty minutes. <coughs> 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 Shit, something got into my. <clears throat> I'll cut that part out, by the way. You're good. Um, so you said that uh, basically when you decide if you want to help the startup or not, you just need to talk to them for like 20 minutes and you see if it's a good fit. So a lot of what I've heard from my listeners who are mainly founders is that you know they feel that if they get on the phone with an investor or with a potential investor they will definitely convert them because they feel they're so great and the question is how do i get on the phone with an investor so how do you decide if you want to move on to even a phone call not just you know email back and forth what's that yeah. trigger for you so I, i'm unique in the fact that i generally speaking i have you know i have i have a bunch of uh, people that I trust, just like a VC does, um, that will send me deals. Um, and I know if it's coming from them, it's generally more qualified. Um, but I am more open to talking to founders earlier than most VCs. Um, it doesn't have to be a perfect fit. It has to be a, you know, are you thinking, are you close to fundraising in the next three months? And, you know, um, so generally I, I like to say I like LinkedIn. Uh, so that's unique. Uh, I, I utilize that as a, a good funnel for me that I ask to see the deck beforehand and it allows me to valid, you know, diligence the individual, both their experience and their team members and everything else that's on LinkedIn. And if they have a deck, then it generally tells me that they put work and thought into where they're at with their raise process. Um, and then it allows me to turn with some questions to them um, and then we move things to kind of a, a follow-up meeting. For me, things I look for is if you're a B2B SaaS company, you know, that you have your product live, that you've got initial customer traction, or or at least long-term contracts of significant value, that would be that would be considered traction. Uh, I, I like go through the bullet points here, like consumer software, that you have user acquisition growth, that you're showing that you have plans for a business model, uh, generally speaking. Uh, if you were a hardware play, I want to see the hardware actually working and functioning. VCs are renowned for hating hardware and especially renowned for hating res mm -hmm. research dollars to go into creating the hardware. So I want to see either that you've come to market or that you are uh, live with LOIs or like similar to kind of what I said with the SaaS businesses. And then I, I you know, I, I have a hard soft spot for, uh, consumer products because I, I worked at a consumer product company. I worked at overstock.com and, you know, I, I like consumer products and it's definitely an underserved uh, market in the capital perspective. Uh, that being said, because it's underserved, I have to do less consumer product deals than I do. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm responsive to the VCs that are telling me what they're interested in and therefore I'm a reflection of what they're interested in. Um, so software tends to have greater and less restrictions there. Right. Absolutely. You're right here. I personally hate hardware as well. <laughs> so definitely not, definitely not a big fan. Usually it's just because I don't understand how it works. You know? so I'm going to counter there and say, yes, I understand why hardware, but hardware with the right software 
can be a very deadly play if you know how to scale and go to market, right? Like let's look at Peloton, for example. That's a hardware play. It's completely unattractive, but they've captured an interesting market and a captive market in a way that is sticky and provides software-like returns um, in a less capital efficient. You know, mm-hmm. And so right, right. The, I do see if you can cheat how you implement the hardware, let's say, you know, if Peloton is like, we provide bikes to all these uh, gyms, for example, that's interesting, but they've cheated it because they've, they've seeded the market with a bunch of this hardware. So, you know, they can get initial traction. A lot of these hardware deals don't think about how to get traction, mm-hmm. but if you can, you actually and, and you have a software, you might have some tailwinds in that industry. So, not to go right, too right. far into detail, you know, I, I'll get off my pedestal and random hardware because a lot, I, you know, <laughs> if you're a hardware VC, come talk to me because I I've got deals for you, but uh, I'm not a I'm not you know. I like software much more. It's easier to do. We're definitely on the same page here. We're definitely, definitely on the same page. So you mentioned earlier that sometimes you have to say no and basically say like, yeah, you're too early for VCs, try to go to raise an angel round. And that's one of the questions that I get really often. So once the founders get to a certain stage, so usually it's a seed stage where they decide if they want to go to a VC or to angel investors, where do you think is that? threshold where you should stay with angels and when you can actually go to VCs? That's a good question. If I'm a founder, if I have any potential and capability, I would say do anything you can to not have to like raise money because you need it to, to get your business off the ground. If you can, let's just be clear about this. The best businesses I've talked to are the ones that are able to grow their business and get it going either with their own money or with some friends and family money. And then they're able to grow their business to a stage where it's ready for a VC deal. Now, what is ready for a VC deal is kind of what you're asking. And I would say, you know, if you're a software business, you know, every VC has a different perspective of what's considered traction. Some VCs will look at you if you get 15,000 of monthly recurring revenue and some won't look at you until you're at 50 to 100,000 of monthly recurring revenue. Um, and those are both considered seed funds, which is really hard and which is why it's so hard. It's a difficult world for founders to understand which investors are even the right fit, which is why I kind of created this role. But that that's kind of a good thought process. If you're a consumer product or consumer software you know, you ought to be showing month over month growth of users. Uh, those tend to be less profitable because you're figuring out your business model. Um, and so those tend to need an angel round before they can go take a VC round. But, you know, if you get to the 100,000 user mark, that, that's a really attractive consumer software deal. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to give like key KPIs and most VCs won't give you them because the lines in the sand are hard. But collective information of talking to VCs is helpful, I find. Um, yeah, so those are good indicators. Consumer products, the, the threshold's much higher. Like, honestly, I don't think, unless you're multi-million dollars in revenue from a consumer product, I just don't see it happening much from the VC side. And if you're a single product, uh, you you should be thoughtful and have a plan for multi-product 
house of brands perspective uh, if you really are trying to raise VC money. But oh, I, yeah, do, that... I do think there's a ton of opportunity for angels to invest in the consumer product space because they're profitable, scalable businesses that uh, continue to grow. So. Yeah, that's completely right. And speaking of angels, I was wondering, what do you think of the current situation? So right now in this pandemic, who is investing more actively? Is it angel investors or is it VCs? Well, it's clearly VCs because they have a mandate to invest. Um, they, they did kind of slow down a little bit, but I would say overall, I'm, I've definitely seen momentum pick back up. Uh, people are still hesitant in certain industries. You know, I've got a couple of travel deals that I'm really excited about, but you know, some of them, some people won't touch them. Uh, but I, I still think that they are exceptional businesses. Uh, but VCs inherently have a, you know, an incentive to invest. They need to deploy their capital earlier, so it has more time to develop. And they have a mandate, right? They have a 10-year window where their fund can last. And so if they are waiting and waiting, you know, that that that's a potential decrease in the return on the potential deal. Granted, they want to make sure that that company's growing and not just using that money to pay salaries. You know, let's remember, going back to that angel round, conversation if if you can raise if you can get going without raising an angel round like you should and if you can get going without raising venture capital you should uh but always view raising capital's purpose should be growth 100 percent growth adding to the team adding to marketing adding to to compounding growth capabilities um you always want to be improving your product but most people like to fund growth. Absolutely, you're completely right. So let's talk about the mistakes that you see in founders. So when you just connect the founder to ABC and say like, hey, this is the project I think you will be interested in. Here's the founder, here's like the short description of the project. Take it out from here. What's the mistake that founders make often that you see a lot? Um, I would say there's two different mistakes. Um, like I said, I, I oftentimes work with um, underserved demographics or underserved geographics, um, founders from those two groups. And so I see there's some that are uh, overly confident and are like, this is what we're doing, this is what we're raising, and like can't understand why a, a VC would ever say no. And I, and I think that that's uh, incorrect. I think it's very helpful to just say, well, this is the same thing as if I'm say, pitching a customer. I hope that they will say yes. Uh, and, but, you know, in reality, like, you're really just looking for the right one. Uh, and so, but, you know, some of these overconfident founders, like, these guys are going to do our deal, and they try to prop it up and try to create, you know, false urgency and create, um, you know, almost a forced uh, situation. Uh, I would just say, look, be a human, be who you are. You want them to fund you who you are and what you represent and what your mission is. The other is there's a lot of, because of these founders come from underserved capital markets, they are like, please, please give us money. We know we can accomplish this if you just give us money. And please don't do that. Like as a founder, if you're listening to this, like, I understand you have been downtrodden. Every person has said no to you. 
thousands of people. And finally, you get someone to say yes to a meeting. So you're like, this is the one. You're not going to sell them in one meeting. So just don't try to close them. It's not going to be on the first meeting. Uh, and the second is, it's okay. Don't try to make it seem like we need this money. Like your perspective should be, we are looking for the right partner. And if that's you, that's great. But we're going to be successful and we're going to make this uh, go. It's a matter of if you want to be the ones to join us as a partner. And and you should ask questions of the VC. What What is their thought process? How do they think about businesses? You know, what have they had companies that have been fast growth or do they slow? And how do they think about those? Um, the phrase I say pro that founders probably get tired of hearing me say is, inevitability you want your business to be inevitably successful from the perspective of a vc and they're not questioning whether you're going to be successful or not they're questioning are they the right partner for you in that success not please mm -hmm. money but this is what we're going to do are you going to join us in this journey right right that's that's a good advice that's a good advice and i've seen that sometimes to founders just sound so desperate damn it it's, it's just sad to watch but uh on this I do, slash I, you know i've been desperate too right like i haven't i'm not I'm, <laughs> not I'm not sleeping i don't have money if i have a family or spouse or significant other or someone i live with i feel pressure from them because mm -hmm. they're like yep. what are you doing with your life and and you're feeling pressure on yourself because you have employees and payroll and all of these things. Yeah. So there is plenty of reason for people to feel desperate. Let's let's not under, you know, sell that. Entrepreneurs are the crazy, craziest people in the world, and that's why they are awesome, and they should be applauded. And that's why I kind of am so passionate about like, okay, what can I do to help? Like, how can I make one simple thing easier in your life because you're going through so much so mm -hmm. right right that's a good point founders do have a reason to be desperate to be honest a lot of them so on this sad note uh, let's move on to the last question which is a call to action what's that one thing that you would like the listener to do as soon as the episode is over uh i'm gonna go threefold because i'm i'm switzerland i'm the neutral third party here if you're a founder Build your business to a point where you're ready and, and you're ready to take VC money. Don't don't try to go talk to them um, too early and or talk to me too early. Um, but when you're ready, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. If you're an angel, talk to me. <laughs> if you're a VC, uh, I would love to help. Um, <laughs> I'm a resource. So I, I guess the answer is, I'm going to have a lot of work to do uh, as a result of this podcast, hopefully, or I may, I'm, I'm going to figure out how to handle all of that, but uh, <laughs> I'm excited about this. I enjoy this work. This is what my hobby is, is just, I love learning new business models. I love digging in and I love trying to align interest. I, I truly believe that business can be done really well with transparent and trustworthy people that, that mm -hmm. align right now that was a sweet ending i love it so on this positive note i will wrap it up here thanks a lot london for coming up and for sharing your experience i think that was a really interesting one that's the first time that i see this sort of model so i'm pretty impressed 
I don't see much new new stuff in this in this field. <laughs> so thanks a lot for bringing you something new. And I will definitely leave the link to your LinkedIn account in the description of this episode. So if someone is at the right stage, remember Seed Series A, all right? Uh, then yep. then reach out to Landon. He can really help you guys. All right. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>